Hi, and welcome to Elevating Business, the podcast that gives you tips and tricks for how to start, grow, and sell your online business. Also take a look at our resource website, emilyandblair.com, for more info around how you can make your business better. But for now, here's today's episode. Hi, and welcome to episode 150, Six Must-Ask Questions When Buying a Business. So, yep, look, we finally made it to episode 150, which is awesome. So wanted to follow up on a little bit more about what we did last in last week's episode, which was looking at some general items that you should consider when buying a business. This episode today is about those more critical, I guess, more granular questions that you should be directing at the seller. And look, this could be for a bricks and mortar business or an online business. Some of these will be more appropriate for an online business because that's our main targeting, um, you know, audience for our podcast. But you know, if you're looking at a bricks and mortar business, some of the stuff is still very relevant. So keep on listening. So the first one I wanted to talk about is traffic verification. So audience verification. You need to make sure that the actual traffic that's being, I guess, promoted to you as part of the of the business sale is actually correct. Now, the best way obviously to do that is to get access to the seller's Google Analytics and they should be able to set you up as a user on their account and you should be able to go in there. There's no way they can twist and manipulate those figures. So you want to have a look at those because they are the actual traffic data. You want to have a look at where that traffic has come from because if it's all paid traffic, and for example, they've said, well, look, you know, we don't sort of pay for any traffic, uh, we rely on organic traffic only, then straight away that's a red flag because they might be paying for traffic and not um, telling you about that expense that's costing them to to pay for that traffic. Really what you want to have is a good broad range of traffic, so organic, um, some direct, some referral traffic, and possibly some paid traffic, just depending on what the, um, what the website or business is. Okay, so you want to get that verification. Make sure you use their Google Analytics. Otherwise, you don't have verification. The second one, revenue documentation. You need to make sure that the revenue figures that they say to you are correct. You know, in this, I'm talking about going to the level of bank accounts, getting copies of their bank accounts getting their payment processor reports or their financial statements. You need to verify that authenticity of the documentation and cross-reference it. So that's looking at that documentation and cross-referencing it with any of the claims that they've previously made. So for example, if you're looking at this business, you might've looked on flipper.com for uh, businesses and you've found one there and there's all these figures that they've um, put in there of, of you know spreadsheets and Excel documents of, of what their revenue is. Once you dig into the business and you get those financial statements off them, if there's irregularities there, then that's a huge red flag. So you need to go through the financials in minute detail because this is the bit that really catches people out. A lot of people don't like figures. They don't like going through spreadsheets. And they just glaze over with that sort of stuff. This is the most important part. If you can't do this yourself, 
get your accountant to do it for you, get your bookkeeper to review them or get a consultant to come in and have a look at the stuff for you. If it's not your level of expertise and you just, you know, you just don't want to go to that level, you need to go to that level because it's your money you're going to throw away on this business if the revenue figures don't match what the seller's bank account, um, you know, statements do uh, say. So I think the thing with this is that a lot of sellers get all twitchy around providing that sort of level of confidential documentation. If you come up with a roadblock in terms of asking them for that sort of thing, what you can do is have their accountant verify the revenue figures and put down on a letterhead, sign it, that's them saying as a chartered accountant they have verified the figures and basically they guarantee that they are correct and you've got the correct information a chartered accountant is not going to write a letter falsifying that so you can be pretty sure that if you can get that off them um, then your revenue figures are going to be I guess correct and considered audited Okay, the other one that people forget about is expense confirmation. So many times I've seen this, you know, I work with a lot of clients in terms of doing due diligence for them when they're looking at websites and businesses to buy. And so many of them come up with this issue where the seller has basically, I guess, um, breezed over the top of the expenses. So they've gone, oh, well, this website doesn't cost much to run. You know, it's a bit of hosting a month and, and you know, and that's about it. Well, it's generally not. So you need to make sure that, you know, they have got all of the expenses included in their profitability of that business. Um, and so, I mean, we're talking about, you know, for or this would be hosting, you know, you've got um, any expenses around software that they're using. Um, are they doing paid ads? You know, have you clarified what that is? Have you seen the statement of, say, for example, the Google ads they're running? Have you seen the Google statements of the expenditure? So again, just like the revenue clarification, you've got to do the same with the expenses clarification. You've got to clarify whether they are one, including all of the expenses that the business runs on, and two, are those expenses that they're putting down correct? So many times I've seen spreadsheets with the expenses and people have just put a nominal figure in there in each month and just copied it across. You know, there's no accuracy with it. And straight away, that's a red flag to me that they're not being as accurate with the finances as they could be. The thing you need to remember, the more expenses there are, the less profitable the business is going to be once you take those expenses out. So everything of an expense that they leave out of those figures is eating away unknown to you at your profitability. And you'll only find out about that when you actually take the business over and those expenses become transparent and you're having to pay them. So you want to do the same process that you do with the revenue with the expenses. And you can do use the same process in terms of the chartered accountant and get them to verify all the expenses are correct. So you want to make sure you just absolutely get those potential hidden costs and get them transparent. Hey, the next one would be user and customer data. Okay, so that's looking at 
the website's customer database. It's looking at their email subscriber lists or any of their customer records. And it's making sure that you understand where the customers have come from. So what channels they've come in from and how many of those customers are coming in on each of those channels. You want to ideally see some diversity on those. And you want to also make sure that those customer channels are going to be brought over with the business. So I know that sounds silly, but for example, I've got a customer at the moment who has um, a website they're looking to buy. There was an old domain that the seller was using. And that domain has brought in traffic over the past. They then changed to the new domain, which they're selling as part of the business, but they're not including the old domain or they're reluctant to. So straight away, that's a red flag to me because at the end of the day, that old domain helped bring in and make that business profitable by bringing in those customers. So you want to make sure that you're really getting a good feel and an understanding of where that customer acquisition is coming from. And when you've got all of this data in front of you, you want to make sure that, you know, if they've got a subscriber list, make sure they've done the proper consenting and followed the applicable data protection regulations. Not so much of an issue in America, but certainly if there's customers coming from Europe, there is definitely some data protection regulations they need to follow. So ideally, if you're... Um, seller that uh, you know is has been using a software like MailChimp or whatever they have built in um data protection um into their into their MailChimp um you know uh, back end so basically they are um their software is protecting you from um you know that data protection issues so you want to just double check that they have haven't just used some cheap old method to grab people's email addresses without actually getting consent and, and all the correct um, processes to keep and store that person's information. Because the reality of it is you want that database to be able to remarket to. You want to be able to go back to those clients once you've taken over the business and try and remarket to them to um, you know make more sales or get repeat business out of them. So you can't really legally do that if that customer database hasn't been acquired legally. Okay, so you've got to make sure that all of those T's are crossed and those I's are dotted. Okay, the other thing is that seller support side of things. So one thing that people seem to forget and don't, and don't kind of, I guess, consider is a lot of sellers are willing to do something which is called seller financing. Now, what seller financing is that, and this is an example, you've got a $100,000 business you're looking to buy, you might pay the seller $50,000 as the deposit, and then what you do is you agree that they will seller finance the other $50,000. Now, what that means is, say, over the period of 12 months, you can pay off that $50,000 um, at whatever, $4,500 a month, um, to effectively spread the remaining payments. So you only have to come up with 50 grand up front. You're paying the seller over 12 months the remaining balance to make up that $100,000 overall business value. But the beauty of seller financing is you can use the company's profits 
to pay for that. So effectively, you don't have to have $100,000 in your bank that you're going to go and pay for this business. You can pay $50,000 up front knowing that the business is making, say, $5,000 a month. As long as you don't need that cash for your everyday living or your business expenses, then you can bundle that and use that to pay off the seller financing. So it's a really good and effective way of one, tying the seller into being committed to the business longer term than you would if you just buy it straight off and pay them the full amount. If they're seller financing you for 12 months, they are going to want to see the business continue to succeed and survive over those 12 months because they need the, the remaining 50% of the, of the money. So the nice thing about that is this weeds out those sellers that have a business that they know is going to fail soon or has a problem and haven't disclosed it this weeds them out because if they have that problem, they're not going to want to do seller financing. Flip side of that, and it's sort of a side note, is that not every seller is going to be interested in seller financing. A lot of people, when they're selling a business, they are doing it to get the money to go and do another venture. So don't feel that just because a seller doesn't agree to do seller financing that they've that there is a problem there. Um, you know, there's a red flag that they're trying to avoid. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but it could mean that. So it needs a bit of digging around. Seller financing is a great way to get into a business that is valued at more than what you can afford. Um, you do need to take on that risk, though. So it is slightly more risky because you're relying on the business's success and your ability to continue that business success for whatever the seller financing period is. And you're basically putting that on the line to say, well, look, you know, we, you know, we can do this, we can pay that off over that 12 months or whatever period. Okay, so that's seller financing. That's definitely something to have a chat to a seller about, see if they're interested in it or not. Now, something I just talked about in there was that non-disclosure by a seller of, you know, something that that's, they know about the business that they're not telling you. Now, you need to sort of try and question sellers why they are selling a business. You know, you hear this all the, all the time. Well, I'm just selling this because I'm interested in another venture and I need the cash. Or I'm selling this because I think I've done as much as I can with it and I'm ready to move on. And, you know, I mean, there are legitimate reasons, although I would want to, and I always do if I'm buying a business, get into a bit more nitty gritty with a customer, I mean, with a seller around that. You know, I will, you know, ask more questions and try and flesh it out a bit more. I'd find out what their new venture is if they're going, you know, going to tell you. And I mean, you, you basically on any of these arrangements, you would have, signed an, a non-disclosure agreement with them. So they can talk freely to you about stuff. And and that's kind of the relationship you want with the seller. You want to be able to understand where they are and where they're going. Um, you know, so you want to be confident and comfortable with what you're buying that you know that the seller is not sort of hiding anything. And there's one surefire way to do that. And it's to modify the buy sell agreement, so when you go into an agreement with a with a uh, a seller, excuse me, you will have a buy sell agreement, <clears throat> which has all of the 
I guess, terms and conditions of the of the sale process. One of those clauses which I always put in there, which aren't in the normal buy-sell agreements, is something along the lines of this. And you can get your lawyer to rewrite what I'm about to say into a legal sort of worded um, you know, clause that can go into the contract. Basically, it is this. The seller verifies that they don't know anything at the moment about the business that they are selling, which would jeopardize the business going forward. Okay, very straightforward, simple statement. But what it does, it raises a flag to the seller that they need to sign at the bottom of this. And it also raises a flag to the seller that if they sign this contract, you go ahead and buy the business and then six months down the track, you find that there is something that they didn't disclose and the, and the business has been affected by it, you can actually litigate. And obviously we don't like to do that. And it's, you know, it's the last thing that you, any business owner wants to have to do, but it's a form of protection. And also what it does is if you make them make the seller sign the buy-sell agreement with that clause in it, make sure they know about that clause and it's brought to their attention because you might find that they actually don't go ahead and don't sign it because they do know of something. So it's another good way to flesh out, um, you know, sellers who, you know, aren't being that honest. And I, you know, this all sounds a wee bit negative, but I have been burnt by this and I do include it in all of my contracts now. Um, obviously it's a bit more um, legally written that, that phrase, but um, it's something that you definitely want to include because it will give you some comeback. Okay, so I guess that's the crux of what I wanted to talk about today. You know, it's really just hitting up a seller with those really important questions and really important points about what, you know, what is important to them and what's important to you about the business without just focusing on, you know, paper and figures and things. It's it's more about getting granular with them and making sure that they're honest. And a lot of the stuff we've talked about today is is making sure that what you're seeing is correct, making sure what they provide you with is correct and has been verified. So it's that step beyond just getting a whole lot of documentation given to you by the seller. It's verifying that docu documentation that's important and what we're focusing on today. The other last pro tip I wanted to give you is a non-compete. So most buy-sell agreements will have a non-compete period in there. One thing I always like to do, normally that it's like could be two or three year non-compete. What I'd like to do sometimes is push them. Push the seller to give you a non-compete period for five years. So non-compete is basically thus saying, I will not go ahead and open a business just like the one I've sold to you within a period of five years. So it gives you some leeway. Push them to five years. See what they do. If they disagree and don't want to do that, they only want to do the minimum non-compete, that would be a little bit of a red flag that I'd dig a bit more into because there's no reason for them to not agree to a five-year non-compete. But again, it's all about pushing these right buttons to raise certain flags and and 
almost make them feel a bit uncomfortable about stuff because what a seller wants to do is they want to put a whole lot of information out there about their business that they want to sell and they kind of just want that process to go ahead and, and get done. They don't like it when you dig in and, and ask too many questions, but you're doing this to protect your investment and to protect your money that you're going to go and spend on a business. You want to make sure that it is all 100% transparent and exactly what you think it is. So you can then buy the business and grow it and be successful with it. Okay, so that's about all we've got time for episode 150. If you need help in doing due diligence on a business you're looking to buy or you need some advice around that, you can have a free 30-minute phone call with me. Jump on our website, emilyandblair.com. And you can connect to my calendar there and we can get together and have a chat about what you're looking at. Um, there's a whole heap of resources on our website. We've we've got hundreds of articles about the whole process around buying and setting up businesses. So jump in there. They're all free. Um, and look, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Elevating Business. Make sure to check out our resource website, emilyandblair.com, for more tips and tricks for how you can grow and make your business more successful.